0: Well, good morning. morning. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, a few of you are excited to be here. Some of you are still barely moving, right? Uh, We're glad to have you with us today. Hope that you've had a good Christmas. Uh, did Did everybody get lots of good presents? Yeah, yeah? How about you guys? Did you get good presents? What's the best thing you got? Okay, you win. Xbox One. All right. Hey, I'm coming over today. No. his <laughs> said, no, you're not. It's not for adults. Uh, we're glad that you're here, and uh, we're starting a new series. We're starting a new year, and I hope that nobody showed up last Sunday uh, because we weren't here. Uh, you were by yourself, but uh, we we're excited to get started fresh. We we're excited to get started on some new opportunities. Um, speaking of new, uh, it was good to have Leslie up singing today. Can we everybody uh, say amen to that? Yes. Uh, We're going to get her up here doing a solo in a minute, scare her to death, but we're glad that she's involved with that and Richard's, Wendy's leadership in our worship and uh, everything. So listen, so we've got a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, We've got some babies coming in uh, to our midst. We've got others that will be soon, and uh, the promise of new life is always an exciting thing. We're really excited for... Christy and Kevin were really excited what God is doing in their lives and their uh, new life as a family. Um, I also know that more than likely in the last week, you are inviting some new things into your. Do y'all hear that? Is there a rumble? There's some kind of rumble? Uh, I hear it. It's, my, it's not my stomach. It's not your stomach. I don't know what it is. Maybe may just need to pull down the volume a little bit. But. Uh, What I know is that you're probably inviting some new things into your life by making some type of New Year resolution. How many have made New Year's resolutions already this year? Right? Okay. Not many of you. I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's not a good thing. I don't, you know, based on what's going on in your lives. Here's what I also know. I know that more than likely the reason that many of you are not doing New Year's resolutions is probably because you have enough on your plate already. Is that true? How can I add one more thing? Now, here's what we know about life in America, that we are one of the most overworked, burned out population of people of anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Did you know that Americans, despite all the political ads, despite all of the wrangling to try to get elected, that Americans work longer and more than any other nation in the world? It was not China. It used to be Japan, and now it is America. By the way, Kidmo, you're dismissed. If I have not dismissed you guys already, you guys can head on. Sorry about that. Gallup did a poll and said that 42% of U.S. workers that are 18 and older will work 40 hours a week. That means over half are going to work more than 40 hours a week. In fact, the average working week of an average American is 47 hours a week. 47 hours a week. We work a lot. Now... ABC News did a study, and they found that Americans work more than anyone in the industrialized world. That we take less vacation, we work longer days, and we retire later than anyone else in the world. Did you know that? Some of you are saying, I believe it. I feel it. That's where I'm living. That's my life right there. (coughs) The uh, Washington Post did a study. On New Year's resolutions in this overworked, wore out population of America, and found that only 40 to 45% of Americans will make a New Year's resolution this year. Of those who do make a New Year's resolution, 25% will already have given up after the first week, which is quite honestly why I don't do any New Year's resolutions anymore. Because I give up really fast. So 25% of people will give up after the first week. They're, the next 5% will hang on for another two weeks. And by six months, half of everybody that came up with a New Year's resolution has given up. So here's a question I want to leave with you. I don't want to leave it with you. I'm going to open with you because I got a lot more to say. There's a question I want you to think about is this, why do we work so much, and what are we trying to achieve or ensure? Why do we work so much, and what are we trying to accomplish by working so much, by having so much within our lives? It's a question I want you to think about over the next few weeks Because we are going to be talking about the ability to burn bright in a world that is very dark around us, but the real propensity for us to burn out very quickly. Now, my guess is that every one of us in the room at some point, if not at this very moment, has experienced burnout. I've experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it. Now, some of you have burned out for different reasons. You're burned out uh, at work. You have to do the lion's share of the work, and you see others that get by without doing it, and you're just kind of burned out, or maybe the roles just keep coming on. And, and what I find is that people who are highly capable are often trusted to do more and more responsibility, and so they burn out quicker. Now, your burnout may have nothing to do with work. Maybe you are just burned out on all the activities you have. Now, I've got friends who they're Social calendars make me just queasy. I mean, I look at all the things they have to do, and I'm thinking, that is not the life I would want to live. That's too much. I mean, I like people, but I don't like them that much, you know? And they just have so many activities. As soon as they get off work, they've got to go to an activity. And the next day, as soon as they get off work, they've got to go to an activity. Now, if you have children, that is a way of life, right? You kind of run from one activity to the next. Uh, That's kind of our life at this stage of life. But some of you, your burnout has to do with what's going on at home, right? Things are tough at home. Things are tiring. They're exhausting. If you have young children, if you have multiple young children, burnout is probably just a way of life. And it is one of the lessons that you learn that even though I'm burned out, I must keep going. These kids aren't going to raise themselves, right? Well, sometimes they do. Burnout is a very real reality. And the problem for the Christian as it relates to burnout is that God never wanted us to live that kind of life. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to your bosses this week, tell them you're going to work 35 hours and that's it. You need to keep your same income because you have bills to pay. And you will be in no earlier than 9 o'clock, and you must be out no later than 4, okay? I want everybody to do that this week. And then come back and report on the progress. 30 hours a week? Okay, 30. We'll make it 30. 30 hours a week. How do we shine brightly? Did you know that God says one of the greatest ways we will communicate the gospel to others is that our lives will be so contagious that they will want to have what we have? But a lot of times what ends up falling apart is our ability to trust in the things that God wants for us. And so we reach out for more and in the process we burn out. Proverbs 3, 5 is going to be kind of our central verse for these next few weeks. And it is this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, I'll tell you, I've been a believer for most of my life, for decades, and this is still a verse I at times struggle with. What does it look like to fully trust in God and not just Rely on myself, rely on the way I see things, rely on my ability to figure things out, to solve problems, to just organize my life. How, how do I do that? You know, sometimes it's just easier to deal with burnout and feel like I have some level of control than to let God truly lead and me trust in His leadership. Instead of trusting God, what we often do is that we kill ourselves by trying to figure it out ourselves. Now, I don't know about you. You may be sitting here going, man, this was a big waste of time because this is not me. I have it together. I don't get burned out. I love every facet of my life. I mean, just give me more. I want more. There are people who just never, I mean, they have such capacity that they never get burned out. If they spend 10 minutes, they want to spend an hour. If they work 40 hours, they want to work 60 hours. I mean, their capacity is just overwhelming. But for the majority of us, that is not the lives that we lead. See, as I was thinking through how do we start off the year, there's a very real reality That many of us burn out. Sometimes it's not at work. Sometimes it's not at home. Sometimes it's not with our social calendars. Sometimes it's at church. And we get burned out at church. Sometimes we get burned out of just coming and attending. Sometimes we get burned out in serving and giving. Because the same thing tends to happen throughout life. Those who are highly capable end up taking on more and more responsibility. We want our lives to burn brightly. We want people to look at us and say, that is a life I want. We want God to be glorified with how we spend our time, how we spend our resources. But we end up burning out instead. Now, if you haven't dealt with this, you're going to. But I think what's true is, or is real is that you already are. Here are some other statistics about burnout. For adults, money is the top source of stress reported by U.S. adults. 64% of adults surveyed said money was their number one stressor. And of that group, those who live in the South, you, have the highest stress levels. I have some ideas of why that is. Teenagers, school is the top stress reported by 83% of teens. Would you guys say that's true? Yes? Okay, now if you're homeschooled, you want to be real careful shaking your head there. I'm kidding. And video games are the number one way they try to cope with it. For employees, North American employees, 62% report high levels of stress Workload is the top stressor for employees in North America. 41% of people said, it's just, I've got so much to do. My workload is so overwhelming. For physicians, if you're a physician, physicians, 45% report experiencing burnout, which is not a good thing when you're in need of one because you don't want a burned out physician when you need to have surgery, right? You don't want them burned out. How about this? 40% of physicians... Screen positive for depression. Financial professionals are worse. The total burned out male financial professionals in in the U.S., 69%. Now, if money is the thing that brings us so much freedom and financial professionals bring in a lot of that money, why is it that so many of them are burned out? That's something to think about. 69% of people who dabble, their job is to dabble in the things that many of us are trying to get more of are stressed out. 69% report being burned out. And in Hong Kong, 87% of people in Hong Kong, one of the financial capitals of the world, are burned out. They're just wore out over all this stuff. Now, as a pastor, I like to say that pastors are the example And that you should just follow follow my lead. Just follow kind of whatever uh, I'm experiencing. Here's what we know about pastors. 33% feel burned out in their first five years. 40% and 47% of their spouses are suffering from burnout, frantic schedules, and unrealistic expectations. 45% experiencing depression or burnout. 52%. Uh, say that pastoral ministry is hazardous to their health. Now, these are people who are supposed to get this. Trust in God. Don't lean on your own understanding. 75% report severe stress causing anguish, worry, bewilderment, anger, depression, fear, and alienation. 90% work more than 50 hours a week. And those who work less than 50 hours a week are 35% more likely to be fired. It's in the American culture. 1,500 pastors leave their ministries every month due to burnout, conflict, or moral failure. And doctors, lawyers, and clergy have the most problems with drug abuse, alcoholism, and suicide. Now pastors should be getting it, right? And yet we're more screwed up than everybody else. So I'm going to tell you how to fix it. Isn't that great? Burnout is something that Uh, that I have real experience with, just like many of you. Truth is, you don't need a statistic. You don't need studies. You don't need to read articles. You know what it feels like. You may not know how to get out of it. Sometimes we do know how to get out of it, and yet we feel incapable of getting out of it. Burnout happens for so many different reasons. Sometimes those reasons are terrible reasons. We put ourselves, we've made bad decisions, and we put ourselves in terrible places. Sometimes you have been make, trying to make good decisions, and you believe you are doing good things and are doing good things, and yet still fall to this place of burnout. You know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. But as I think through burnout, there are really, I believe, three primary things that push burnout. And it is fear, guilt, and greed. Those are the three things that are usually behind what burns us out. Fear is the primary. I'll come back to it in a minute. Greed is easy. I want more stuff. Guilt says, I have done bad things, or I'm not good enough, or I owe somebody more, so I just have to keep going. I've got to prove myself fear says I'm not going to make it I'm not going to have the life I want fear says I'm going to lose something if I don't work really hard I'm going to lose this job if I don't work really hard on my marriage I'm going to lose this marriage if I don't work really hard if I don't do more and more then people aren't going to like me A lot of Christians struggle with the reality that we are supposed to be some of the nicest people in the world, and yet deep down inside we're just like everybody else, and so we burn ourselves out trying to be somebody we don't always feel like being. Fear drives so much of our lives that if we don't recognize the problem and address it, it will drive us to want to give up. Suicides are up. Depression is up. And yet for Christians, we often don't go to the place that he wants us to go. Fear drives much of the way we live our lives. I'm afraid I'm not good enough. I'm afraid I'm not going to go far enough. I'm afraid somebody or someone, some people, some group are going to be disappointed in me. Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing up here. They're They're disappointed in me. and sometimes it's not any of those fears sometimes it's just the fear of the unknown i found for myself that i find comfort in working because it allows me not to deal with the fear of the unknown it just keeps me busy keeps my mind busy and i like to be busy if i'm at home and i don't have something to do within an hour then you want to know what i'm doing i'm asleep in the couch on the couch in my chair i'm asleep Now, if I have stuff to do, I'll I'll stay busy all day long and be just fine. What is it in your life that is causing you to run a race that you are not able to finish? What is it in your life that causes you to not be able to express joy and to experience fullness in your life because you don't have enough of? What is that underlying fear that you deal with on a daily basis that you're unwilling to admit to others, yet it is driving something within you to a place where you just really want to give up? Does anybody look at your life and think that's what I want? Now, I think there are some things in my life that are attractive. I mean, you get to, you'd get you get to spend time with me. That's attractive, right? Oh, maybe not. There are some things that are attractive in my life. There are some things that aren't. There are some things that people would never trade their life for mine. And then there are others that would love to have parts and pieces of my life. There are people that I know and there are facets of their life. I would love to have that and incorporate that into my life. And then there are, Are things in those lives that I wouldn't want to have anything to do with. Did you know that God wants you, your life, to be contagious? He wants you to be catching, He wants you to spread, He wants people to look at you and say, That's what I want, that's what I need. Matthew 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, it's not what you said, but they noticed by your life that something was special and they themselves were moved to glorify God based on what was happening in your life. Now, what some of us try to do, and this is what I want us to look at over the next few minutes, what some of us try to do is we are working very hard to orchestrate our lives to look like a specific this, that, or the other. We, we have an idea of what we want our life to be or what our life is supposed to be, and so we spend all our waking hours figuring out how to be that. Sometimes it's because we watch somebody else, and man, they are just so good at life, you know, those people, they just have it together. Whenever they touch something, it turns to gold. They're always happy. I mean, things just go well, and we think, that's what I want. And so we work overtime to become that. We study them, and we try to understand them, and we're like, I, I'll just, I just need to do that. So, so you go exercise at 5 a.m. every morning. I'm going to exercise at 5 a.m. every morning. And it works the first two days. Sometimes. And then you decide, I think I could have it without working out at 5 a.m. every morning. I could go at 6, or let's just not go at all. And I think I could still have it. Oh, you read your Bible. You read a chapter a day. That's what will get my life with Christ going. I need to read a chapter a day. And you find that by the time you get to the end of the chapter, you cannot remember what you read because you were just trying to copy. Someone else that you thought was better than you. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The idea that there is a natural state of being that is contagious to the world around us. What would it look like for you to exist in a natural state of being that was contagious to the people around you. Let me ask you this question. Are you working so hard on the presentation of your life? Not what's actually going on in your life, but how others view your life. Are you working so hard on the presentation of your life that you're missing the big picture that God has for you? See, Many of us can be guilty of this. We work so hard to appear to look the part that we miss out on what God always wanted to do in our lives. Proverbs 3, 5 again, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. You know, if we get down to the core of the issue, burnout is often a, a cause when we f- we fail to trust. Burnout is often what happens When we no longer trust what God wants to do in our lives. Let's look back at verse 13 of Matthew 5. This whole thing in context says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and give light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We have in this section of verses some very telling examples of what does it look like to be a Christian in the world today. Now, if we were to go around the room and we were to ask everybody to share, what do you think it looks like to be a Christian in the world today? We would probably get some very different answers. I, I want to settle just on one, though, today, and, and that is, is that we are trusting God and we are following His lead. See, I feel like if we are trusting God and following His lead, and I don't feel, I know, if we're we're doing that, then I know that He takes care of everything else. In fact, one of the biggest frustrations in burned-out Christians is, is not the activities that they're a part of. It's the belief that God's not active in their life. See, one of the things that Christians have been have been given at fr- from the time that Jesus was crucified, that He left, that He came back, was resurrected, and then gave. All of fulfilled all of the promises that he had shared was this: that as a believer in Christ, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, so that you no longer have to live this life completely on your own. But the the very divine God Himself has come to live within you. So your capacity should be greater than the people around you that don't know Christ because not only do you have your ability to be a person in this world, you have the Holy Spirit working within you to not just do what is natural, but to do what is supernatural. See, Christians have great capacity, but often we use our capacity on things that do not bear fruit. We get busy and we work on things that don't pan out. As a church, we can get real busy on activities, and those activities don't lead anyone to Christ or help ourselves grow. We can use our capacity for something else. And one of the things that we see as we look through many of the characters of Scripture is that not only do they have great capacity, but they would regularly use it up and then be restored my God. So it's possible that you could work yourself into burnout, but then be restored to a place of health again. You're the salt of the earth. You know, we do not have a special container for salt in our house. Do you? Does anybody have a special container? You do? So a few of you do? Ours typically, we've got a shaker so we don't pour a whole big you know, thing in, in or whatever we're pouring it on. But it stays in the Morton salt thing, cardboard salt can. Now, we have special containers for other things, but salt is not one of them. We don't have a special place in our kitchen for the salt, which is not technically, technically we do, because we, if we didn't put it in the same place, we would forget what it was. But you, if you walked into our house, would not know where our salt was. You'd have to look for it or you'd have to ask us for it. It doesn't have a place of honor. It doesn't just demand attention. It is not the centerpiece of our kitchen. Because salt itself does not demonstrate any type of honor. But yet when you need salt, I don't mean to flavor, but to preserve. When you need salt, it is the most important thing you can have. At one time in In our history, salt was used as currency. Not because it was just a lovely thing to look at, but because it meant life by being a part of other things. As Christians, it's not about the presentation we give. It's the effect that by following Christ we have on the world around us. Verse 14, you are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, there are a lot of cities. And if you watch some of the uh, New Year's Eve fireworks, uh, did anybody watch what was going on in Dubai? Fireworks right across from a burning hotel? In fact, there was a story of a photographer. I don't know who who he was working for, but he was in the burning hotel taking pictures of the other hotel that, Fireworks are being shot out of. That was his job. And so he stayed there so long that eventually he just about died in that hotel because he was surrounded by flames. He had to rappel out from like 48 floors down a window washer's cable. There are many cities who will try to declare their greatness. They'll build great buildings. They'll hold great events. And yet what makes a city great are the people in the city and the work that they do in the world. What is your significance in the world? A city cannot just self-declare, we are a wonderful city. Other people have to say it about you. You know, we had the opportunity, Chattanooga is voted one of the top small cities in the country. Yet it had to be voted on by people other than just Chattanoogans. Often what, where we get messed up is we try to self-declare our greatness when greatness must be declared by others. And if you are trying to self-declare your greatness in this world, that is a recipe for burnout. Because greatness has to be ascribed to you. It cannot be something you just say about yourself. A city on a hill cannot just say, hey, we're a bright city. Others see it from a distance and recognize its greatness. See, there's something about being in a state of just who you are and what God is doing in you that leads you to the place of wholeness and fullness, not your ability to figure out how to look whole and full to others. I think one of the reasons that so many Christians are burned out and so many give up on church and so many are burned out in their faith is because they're trying so hard to look the part, but they've never stopped to be the part. And when we don't stop to be the part, even if others think everything's okay, everything's together, inside we feel empty and we feel like giving up. A contagious life, this is is what I know, a contagious life is fueled by seeing the world differently, by seeing it as God sees it. But not just the world, a contagious life is also fueled by you seeing yourself as God sees you. Do I have to be the very best at everything I do when I compare myself to everyone around me? Is that what wholeness is? And fullness is all about. Do I have to be the best? In athletics, our kids are, they love athletics. And so we do lots of sports teams. And one of the things that just frustrates me to to no end is when sports simply becomes about winning. Now, I love to win. I really love to win. I'm pretty competitive. But the reality is we did not get our kids involved in sports so they could just win, but they could learn a whole list of other opportunities and behaviors. So you, get, you can have the, the right coach who not only teaches you the game, but teaches you how to be a person of character, doesn't just teach you how to have skills, but teaches you how to you take care of a team. Instead of that, what we have become is a people who we are so insecure in who we are as individuals that we must have something else declaring our greatness, and so it must be winning. That mindset is exactly what happened if you've been following this tragic event out of Udawah. It's because that group of athletes did not learn integrity, did not learn character, did not learn how to take care of their team. They wanted to be glorified themselves. And so they victimized others so that they could feel better, stronger. What would it look like for you to live your life in a place of rest? Not giving up your responsibilities but being able to handle them with vigor and energy. Not giving up on the things you have in your life, but being able to handle them differently. What would it look like for you to have a contagious life and to see the world around you differently than you see it right now? See, it's not easy. If it was simple as flipping a switch, we could all just change and see things differently. Instead, it is about trusting a God who says, I have your life covered. I have a plan. I have a place for you. And of all these distractions going on around you, if you will stay focused on what I want to do in your life, you will be fine. You will be contagious. Others will want what you have. Are you trading God's divine plan for your own short-sighted goals? I would love to stand up here and say, you know what, I used to trade God's plans for my own short-sighted goals. I don't do that anymore. Let me give you the three things you do so you won't do that anymore either. And yet I can't. There's not three things. And I can't even say that I don't ever do it anymore. Are you trading God's divine plan for your own short-sighted goals? Here's a few Places in what Scripture says about trusting in God. Psalm 9, 10 says, Those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 27 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. You Put whatever you want there. and But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 56, 3 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 84, 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who, who trusts in you. And again, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. You See, when it comes down to it, for many of us, burnout comes down to being a trust issue with God. Now, if you have a bunch of kids, your burnout may have nothing to do with trust. You may be trusting God just to survive, Right? I mean, the kids lived, they all ate, I made it through the day. I lived and they lived. So today was a good day. I trusted God through it because I didn't know if it was going to happen. Some of you are people of just high capacity, high capability. And so you've taken on more and more responsibility. Some of you are compensated for that at your job. Some of you are not. And so you're just struggling with continuing on, moving on. Why are you struggling? Are those things God put in your life? As we've said over and over again, the life of a Christian is not one of ease. It's not one of just playing, of just sitting around singing songs and looking at each other. The life of a Christian is an active life. It's a life, the salt does not have any effect unless it is, permeating all of the things that it comes in contact with. If it stays in its one container, it has no impact whatsoever. The life of a Christian is an active life. It means you're active at work. It means that you go beyond what others go. It means you're willing to do things others aren't willing to do. It means you're willing to invest in places others aren't willing to invest in. The life of a Christian is the one who says, I want to be a person in the world to help change the world. If you watch the news, you know the world is dark. How can you be a light? How can you be a city that is set on a hill if you are not in and around the places where others are? The life of a Christian is an active life. You can burn brightly even if your flame is barely burning. Over the next four weeks, what I want to share with you are some real basics on what does it take in order to move beyond burnout to live a life that is burning brightly and is contagious. For some of you, this is going to come as a huge surprise. For others, it's not. But the number one thing is this. Today, you have to see as God sees. You have to see as God sees. Sees. So you and I, before we knew Christ, we couldn't see as God sees. We saw as we see. We made decisions based on our, our ability to make decisions, our intellect, our reason, our ability to look at all of the pieces on the table that we could see, and then we would arrange them in a way that made sense to us. But as a follower of Christ, we have to see as God sees, what we're also going to be talking about is how do we prioritize according to God's work in your life? Priorities are crucial. Finding that place. I will tell you that one of the number one conversations that Deidre and I have is about priorities. Where are we spending our time this week? Where are we spending our money this week? Where are we investing in this week? Where are we letting the kids have to do this week. Priorities are the number one thing we talk about in our family because we do have very busy lives like many of you. And so we have to sit down and say, rather than letting the week run us, let us run the week. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But that is the number one conversation we have in priorities. The third thing we're going to talk about is what does it look like to truly work hard? As a follower of Jesus, you are called to work hard. Did you know that? See, some of us are still under the mindset that if I find the sweet spot, I don't have to work anymore. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to work hard. But how do we do that without killing ourselves? And then what I want us to talk through is what does it look like to be recreated through a Sabbath? When is the last time? Sorry, I don't know what I keep doing. (laughs) Okay, I won't move. When was the last time you truly had a Sabbath? See, when God says, I want you to work hard, he also says, I want you to rest well. In burnout, in the early stages of burnout, you will be able to get a good night's rest, take a day off, you know, do something fun, and you'll kind of bounce back. But once you drift deeper and deeper and you're not able to get the rest that you need, even that will not help you. Sleep won't help. Rest won't help. Days off won't help anymore. Your mind is spinning all the time with all the responsibilities that you have and all the things you've got to do and all the disappointments if you don't fulfill these things that are going to happen. You have to allow yourself to be recreated through a Sabbath rest. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, We are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. What does it look like to walk by faith in your life? Yes, we are of good courage. We'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. As you begin this new year, we could come up with a whole list of things that you can focus on, priorities that you can have within your life, but The greatest priority that you can have is simply to hear from God and where he wants you to go this year. There are some things you'll be able to control. You'll be able to control how you spend your free time. You'll be able to control how you spend your disposable income. You can't control how you spend your income set aside for the things that have to be paid. But you will have some disposable income somewhere. You do have some control on that. Where does God want you to spend that? Where does he want you to invest that? You have time. Time is a resource within your life. How are you going to prioritize the time that you have? The time that you have at your jobs, the time that you have at home, the time that you have for free time, play time, the time that you have for rest. How will you budget that time in this coming year? Because here's what I know. If you do not make an intentional effort to approach 2016 with some sort of plan, then when we get to 2017, a whole year will have gone by and nothing will have changed. And you'll go, wow, where did that year go? But you'll feel like the exact same person. One of the wonderful things about the, the new year is the opportunity for us to recognize for fresh starts. Proverbs 3, five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. I love the way Micah puts this, and so this is what I want to close with today. Micah 6.8, if you are looking for just a place, a road to walk, if you're looking for a way to see things differently within your life, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? You If the verse wasn't sitting right in front of you, you wouldn't jump ahead. What do you believe God is requiring of you today? What's He requiring of you? What are you working so hard at that you're just so tired. What is he requiring of you? Is it it to stop a habit? Is it to stop thinking a certain way? Is it to stop spending time in a certain place? What, What is it? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. As we enter into this new year, We look back at 2015, and uh, personally, and as a family, and as a church, we have so many incredible things to look back on. I'm so thankful for what we've accomplished in this last year. As a church, we're in a new place. I'm just still so overwhelmed by your generosity with our Christmas giving project. We so overshot that. We doubled what we thought we would be able to do. Just so overwhelmed with your willingness and your generosity to do that. We have lots of new friends. And our uh, number of you in small groups now is overwhelming. I don't know anybody that, that as many of the people that attend service attend small groups as well at any church. You're investing your lives in each other. You're spending time with each other. You're taking time you could use somewhere else and you're investing it there. What does 2016 hold for you? I'm not moving. That's not me, is it? I'm not moving. As we go forward in the 2016, let us trust God so that we can burn brightly, so that the world will see that we are his and that they will want to know him too. pray with me? Father, God, I thank you that at the end of a year, so many wonderful things, we can also wipe away some very painful things that we've experienced. Mistakes we've made, uh, times that we have wasted, uh, money we have wasted, poor decisions we have made, that can go away, and you have a plan for us moving forward. Father, I pray that you would lead us to trust you whether it's by fear, by greed, if it's just stress that we're dealing with, or if it's guilt. Father, that we would be able to trust you. We would not lean on our ability to solve problems, but we would lean on you and your ability to see the path ahead of us. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.